good to see all of you here this morning. Just let me say, if you are here as a guest, uh, haven't been to the Gateway Church before, uh, or maybe it's been a long time since you've been here, um, we'd love for you to fill out an information card, and uh, those are available on the back two desks. And uh, just a quick, quick show of hands, if there's, if there's anyone here that hasn't been to the Gateway Church before, it's been a while, um, anyone at all? All right. Yes, very good. A couple here. I thought I'd seen. Yeah, all right. Welcome back. And uh, if you could fill those out, that would be great. And at the end of the service, you can just put those in the offering. Well, today we're going to continue a series that we started last week that I've been calling The Greatest Stories Ever Told. And each week is a standalone message in the fact that um, we're going to look at a Bible character, we're going to look at a Bible story, and we will complete um, the, the entire look. But we're asking, as we look at these Old Testament stories, for a fresh look, a fresh anointing, and asking for God and for His Word to speak to us. Amen? And we've said, we said last week that these are more than just stories. They're not fairy tales, but they're fact, and there's significance in these stories. And there is application and encouragement for each and every one of us. And so as we look at these stories, my heart for us is that we would be open to hear what God has. Even though we've heard the story, for example, last week of Noah and the ark, um, we, we are open to fresh revelation and fresh encouragement that comes with that. In fact, last week we looked at Noah's story and how Noah honored God. And um, he built an altar after the ark rested and they exited the altar. Noah honored God at 601 years old. And he, he built an altar and uh, he remembered God and he sacrificed. And the result was a great promise. And, and if you haven't heard that message, if you weren't here last Sunday, and really for any of these uh, Sundays, if you miss a week, if you're on vacation, something like that, you can go online and listen to, to that particular message and many others uh, as well. Well, today we're going to look at the story of Samson and specifically try to get to Samson and Delilah, um, found in Judges chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16. And uh, as I was studying and preparing, I told Pastor Mark, I said, hey, we're studying Samson this week. And Pastor Mark said, oh, I love Samson. And this is what he said. He said, Samson is the imperfect hero. The imperfect hero, and as we go on, we'll see what that means. And, uh, and uh, man, this, the story of Samson, uh, at first it kind of, uh, I struggled with it, and we'll talk about that in a second, but, th but then there was a, a revelation open to me, and I believe that God wants to speak to our hearts through the story of Samson and Delilah. And let me just say, last week I mentioned that we were going to be studying in Judges here this week, and uh, let me say, next week we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So if you want to jot that down and in your daily reading, you may want to read. We're going to look at the story of David and Goliath and uh, it'll be awesome next week. You won't want to miss that. But let me ask God to just bless our time this morning. We've already prepared our hearts in worship and I just pray that, that this will just be a word of knowledge, a word of uh, a rhema word for us today that it would, God will speak through uh, the message this morning and impact lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God. Lord, we honor you, God. 
and we honor your word, and we honor these Old Testament stories. And I pray as we look at the story of Samson, and Lord, even though uh, he was the imperfect hero, so to speak, God, I pray that his life will encourage us today. And God, I pray that we will walk away stronger, encouraged, full of you, and we'll praise you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I read this story about six different times in preparation for this morning, Judges 13 through 16. And I'll tell you, I struggled at first with this story. There were parts of the story that if it wasn't in the Bible, I would say that is not true. It's impossible. Um, I would say, come on, no one's that strong. And, uh, you know, the, to rip a lion open. I just spent, uh, earlier this year, we went to the Lion African Safari in Florida, my family. And to rip a lion apart with his bare hands, I'm saying, okay, is there an exaggeration here? I don't know. But it's in God's word, and so we trust God's word. And then not only is no one that strong, I was saying, I was saying, no one is that stupid <laughs> as Samson. I'm saying, you know, you know, I'm stupid at times, but I'm not that stupid. And I, and I started to judge uh, Samson. And, and I'm saying, uh, you know, okay, God, what is it in this story that you have for me first? And then what do you have for us as a body? And I'll tell you, as I sat with the story, as I prayed over it, as I studied, I realized, and God showed me, um, somewhat painfully, that the story of Samson is not only a great story in the Old Testament, in many ways, it's my story. And it's our story as individuals looking after God. And, uh, and, how, and I started to examine myself and how many inconsistencies in my life. And, and so I want to look at this story. It starts in Judges 13. We're not going to read the four chapters, I promise. But uh, let me give you a little uh, a capsule or a, a summary. It starts in Judges 13 where, uh, where Samson's mother was struggling with infertility. And I, and I had read this story many times and that, I thought that was interesting. And the angel of the Lord promises a son to Samson's mom. But there was a condition that the mother was not to eat anything unclean and was not to drink anything from the vine. Uh, from the you know, grapevines. And then, not only that, but when her son was to be born, the promised son, the son was to be raised as a Nazarite. And as you know, if you've studied this story before, a Nazarite was dedicated to God. And again, no, no drink from the vine, um, nothing was to enter his mouth that was unclean. And, uh, and it says in Judges 13 that, that Samson was dedicated to the Lord. He wasn't supposed to cut his hair as well. That was part of the Nazarite oath. And uh, it's interesting, it was, it was prophesied over um, Samson that he was going to begin the deliverance of Israel from the Philistines. And by the end of chapter 13, he's born. And I want to look at a couple verses, reading, reading verses 24 and 25. It says, The woman gave birth to the boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him while he was in Mahanam, uh, Dan, and between Zorah and Eshtaoa. Now, it's interesting. If we stopped right there, you know, we'd say, this is, he, he's got a good start. 
Samson is on his way to fulfill delivering the, the people uh, of Israel from the Philistine army. But the story doesn't stop there. And soon, in chapter 14, Samson starts to pursue Philistine women. Verse 3, he convinces his parents to marry. She, he says, she's the right one for me. He picks out a Philistine woman, even though his parents didn't approve originally. In the meantime, there's this story that I mentioned earlier where, where uh, Samson kills a lion with his hands. And, it, and I was like, why? Why was he able to do that? Well, it says that the Spirit of the Lord was on him. And in several different times in the story, we read that, that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Samson. Now, Samson spends time with the Philistines at this point. In fact, uh, 30 Philistines were given to him kind of as um, uh, people to spend time with. And, and he, he starts to interact, and he is somewhat foolish. He, he puts out a bet or puts out a riddle, and, uh, and the guys couldn't figure out the riddle. His wife comes to him and convinces them to, to tell him uh, the riddle. She goes back to the Philistines, tells them the riddle. He loses the bet. And then he's off and he's killing more people, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, rummaging through uh, the different, um, let, me, let me see, it says the Spirit of God came upon him, chapter 14, verse 19. He went down, he struck down 30 men, stripped them of their belongings to pay his debt because he lost this bet. And Samson's wife uh, is, is mad, the son, his, his father-in-law is mad. And uh, what happens is that Samson is angry and is angry with his wife and to, the, to the point that Samson's father-in-law says, well, he's angry with my daughter and he gives his daughter to another man. I'm saying this is like a soap opera. You start reading this. I don't remember hearing about those particular details in Sunday school. Do you? Samson spends his time, he's angry now, his, his wife is given to his friend, and then in chapter 15, Samson gets revenge, and that's the story of where he ties the foxes together, puts a light in them, and the foxes go out and burn up the field of the Philistines, and the Philistine people are angry. They are mad at this point, and they go ballistic. They come and they kill Samson's wife and the father-in-law. Talk about drama, you know? And, uh, and then it says that Samson then goes out and kills a thousand uh, Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. And then at the end of 15, the very last verse, it says at that point, then Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. He was a judge, one of the judges. So all this craziness happened early on in his life. And then that verse that for 20 years he led. You would think that Samson would have learned a lesson or two early on in his life. But early in chapter 16, we see that, uh, that um, Samson is, did not learn his lesson. It says one day, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 1, Samson went down to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. Now the people of the Philistines at this point did not want uh, Samson as the judge. They hated his guts. And so they were going to lie in wait. And in the morning, they were going to kill Samson. Well, Samson got up, 
left during the middle of the night. And that's a story where he rips off the city gate. You remember the flannel graph when you were in kids' church, you know? You know, the, he ripped off the gate and he's carrying the gate. I never knew that that came right after he'd spent the night with a prostitute. What in the world? I mean, what good can come out of this story, you know? It's like, where is God in that? I don't know. And, uh, and anyway, so he does that. He, he rips off the door. And then in verse 4 of chapter 16, we finally get to the story of Samson and Delilah. It says this, Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing us the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. That's about 28 pounds of silver. So she would have received quite a reward for doing this deed. They're saying, hey, he ripped off the door of our city. He's you know, killed all these people, and, uh, and it's time for some revenge. And Delilah, a Philistine, who obviously had allegiance with the Philistine people, uh, goes to Samson and says, tell me your secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. And Samson answered her, if, you, uh, if anyone tries me in seven fresh songs that have not been dried, I will become as weak as any other man. And of course, you know that doesn't work. They, call, they shout, the Philistines are upon you. He, he wakes up, kills them all, or busts them all up. And then, verse 10, then Delilah says to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You have lied to me. Come now, tell me, how can, how, how can you be tied up? Okay, a whiny Philistine woman. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. And he says again, he tricks her again. He says, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. And so Delilah takes the new ropes and ties them up. Says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snaps the ropes off as if they were threads. And Delilah said to Samson, Until now, you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me the secret. Tell me how you can be tied up. Now, once is enough, twice, but now a third time, Samson says, If you weave the seven braids of my head into fabric on a loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. Now, he's playing with Delilah and with the Philistines. And there's a progression here. Um, at first, he's, you know, tie me up with, a, with the uh, uh, fresh thongs, tie me up with fresh ropes. Now he's coming close to the secret of his strength by playing with his hair. He's playing with fire at this point. Would you agree? And then, of course... Uh, that doesn't work. They do that. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awakes from his sleep and pull up, pulled the, up the pin and the loom with the fabric and busted them all up. And then in verse 15, she comes back again. How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? Now, I'm not a smart man. <laughs> Samson obviously wasn't either. Listen, this is the third time you have come to me with, and made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And then verse 16, 
with such nagging, this is right in the Bible, she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. And then verse 17, he spills the beans. He tells her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head because I have been a Nazarite, set apart to God since birth. If my head were to be shaved, my strength would leave me. And then when Delilah saw that he had told her everything, there must have been something different. She calls the rulers of the Philistines back. Come once back. Come once more again. And the rulers of the Philistines return with their silver in their hands. They knew they had it this time. Having put him to sleep in her lap, she called the men to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Then she called Samson to the Philistines. The Philistines are upon you. He woke up from sleep and thought, I'll go after them before and shake, off, shake myself free. But then there's something that's said here that it gripped me, and we'll look at it. It says, but, the, but he did not know, he did not realize that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, they gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza, blinding him with bronze shackles, or binding him with uh, bronze shackles. They set him to a grinding in the prison. Unbelievable. Samson, what are you thinking? Samson's life is full of these contrasts. Separated as a Nazarite, but tampering with evil associates. Spiritual at times, but under the power of some serious carnal appetite, some worldly things. Childish in his plans at times, yet full of courage in battle. Mighty in strength, but then weak in resisting temptation. It's interesting, Samson's name means the weak, strong man. Isn't that interesting? I'm glad my name's not Samson. And I'm saying, as I read this story, and as I first was looking at it, I'm saying, why or how could God use someone so inconsistent? Inconsistent. And why would God even bother? And boy, I really was judging Samson early on. But I'm saying, didn't Samson learn his lesson with his first wife? And he goes back to the Philistines and all these things. And then again, I, like I said before, I realized, boy, this is my story. You change the details. You change the circumstances. You fast forward the years. The struggles may be a little different. The time frames may be different. The temptations may be different. But this is my story. And I believe as we take a strong look at our own lives, there are inconsistencies in each of our lives. And it is difficult uh, to, to look at this story in that context and uh, not to be able to relate. And my hope is that you would be open this morning to let God just uh, speak to your hearts as we move through this. There's three connection points that I really want to kind of highlight in this. The first thing is that God set apart Samson. Samson's life, from the beginning of time, there was a plan and there was a purpose for him. It was foretold. And, uh, and I want to say this about your lives and my, and my life as well, that each of us, have a plan and a purpose for our lives. There's not one of us that were created on accident, that not one of us are here uh, without a plan that God has for us. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which he has prepared in advance for us to do. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11, that God knows the plans he has for us. And they're good plans, plans to prosper, to give us a hope, to give us a future. And I believe, just like Samson had great strength, I believe that God has gifted us, gifted you with special abilities, special strengths. And God has given us supernatural gifts to be used for his glory and for his honor. The fact is, is that God has set us apart. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, talks just about this. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? That we may declare the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into light. We have a plan. We have a purpose. You are not here on accident, and neither was Samson. And that's the first connection point. If, we can, if you can understand that and sit with that and understand that God has a plan for you, this morning, I believe God will start to work those things. He'll begin to reveal those things to you. The second point, though, is kind of a difficult one, somewhat haunting in the fact that the Spirit of God left Samson. Samson was certainly selfish. There was arrogance. He was flirting with the world, so to speak. He gambled with the edge. He played with fire. And he thought that he could do it on his own. If you boil all those things down, it was the same sin that caught Satan. It was pride in Samson's life. And pride snuck in because he was gifted, because he was strong, because he had these abilities, he took for granted that it was the Spirit of God working inside of him. Now what's interesting is for us, I know for me, let me say, there are times I will try to do things on my own. How many times do we try to, to do things in our own strength? How many times do we flirt with the world or live on the edge? Maybe it's through small compromises in our lives where at one time we'd say, no, I'm not going to do that. There's the line. But then it, it creeps a little further towards the world. The world or sin in general entices all of us. I don't care who you are. And what happens if we're not careful, we become desensitized to the world. And could it be that in our own lives, that we would go through a season, become desensitized, and not even realize that the Spirit of God has left us? It happened to Samson. There's a book I've been reading, and uh, uh, you're going to have to help me out because I forgot the book. It's in my office, but we can do it without the book. It's a book called God's Man. Uh, what's the name of the book? Every man's God's man. Some of you are studying that with, with uh, Bob on Wednesday or on uh, Tuesday mornings at Russ's. You guys meet at 6 o'clock, is that right? Any men are welcome to join them. But I've been reading through that book on my own and, and looking, and I, and I was brought back to a section of, the, of this book that talked about the myth that you could live on both sides. You could live in the world and also live in the spirit. 
the, the, it's the myth of coexistence is, I think, the name of the chapter. And in there, it talks about some really important things. Let's go to the next slide. He says that blending in with the world, because that's what many of us have tried to do, there are many believers that will try to do this, is not a mark of following Christ. Really, really powerful. And he looks at um, three different things in, in a believer's life that they try to become friends with the world. And let's go to the next slide there. The first way, he says, is that we indulge with a few allowable deviations. And he says, because we deserve it, right? And obviously, that's tongue-in-cheek. He doesn't believe that. But he tells a story about a man named Mark in that story. Um, he gives his heart to the Lord, and, but he continues once a year during the NCAA finals. He always has a trip with his old college buddies. And they go back and they, they, they rent a hotel and, and they, they, they drink a lot and they party and they carouse. And, and, uh, and he was approached by the author, Stephen Arterburn, and he's saying, hey, what about this weekend? And he calls it kind of a lost weekend. And the guy, Mark, he says, hey, it's okay. It's just one weekend out of the year. He says, the rest of the time, and I was going to read it, he says, I, the rest of the time, I, I tow the line. I, I'm a good guy the rest of the year. And I'm wondering how many of us can relate to that, that there are things that we will allow for short seasons or, or we will permit for a, a, for a time that wouldn't be consistent with the way we want to live our lives. And it certainly was the case uh, for this guy, Mark. And, and as they talked about it, and the question was, can we allow things in our lives? What's the next one there? The next thing that we become friends with the world, we keep one little part of our lives private. And then it says, because it's off limits to God too. And obviously that's not a great way to live. God wants all of us. He wants every part. But he tells about a story about an airline pilot. I think his name was Cole. And this airline pilot met up with another airline pilot and he got saved. But there was this one part of his life that when he flew, flew to exotic locations, he lived more like the world than he did as a, like a Christian. And what's interesting is in this story, he, he realized that, yes, he realized that that part of his life was unpleasing to God, but he didn't know how to, to uh, break that part of his life away. And in the book, it talks about this pendulum that we, we live either in one extreme or the other sometimes. That there's the world side, we kind of swing to the world side, or we swing to the side of the Spirit. And obviously we want to live more on the side of the Spirit. The third thing uh, that he talked about in this book is that we just go with our feelings, which God gave us, right, <laughs> anyway? And there's a part there that he challenges all of us. And I won't get it word for word, and that's okay. But in that section, he, t he, he uh, looks at our lives and he talks about the world uh, in living in a worldly fashion, not putting God first. And he, he describes it as a love affair with the world. And it, boy, I read through that, and I had to look at myself and say, God, are there things in my life that I put before you? And he actually calls it an, an affair. And it's the things of the world, the appetites of the world, whether it's money or success or things, possessions, 
or people or status. And he goes through a whole list of things. And the point is, is that God has called us to be separate from the world. And that was Samson's trouble. I believe that Samson tried to meld the two. He tried to put one foot in the spirit, one foot in the flesh, and you can't live that way. You will lose. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. This is how we are supposed to live. Now, I'm not saying this is easy, but the Spirit of God left Samson because of his love for the world. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful men, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Verse 17, the world and its desires will pass away. But then listen to this. It says, the man who does the will of God will live forever. The Spirit of God left Samson because he flirted. He, li he lived his life more on the side of the world. And the same thing, if we're not careful, if we don't take heed to these scriptures, we can succumb to similar types of destruction. The Spirit of God left Samson in those moments. And it caused him, his eyes were gouged out. He lost his strength. But then there's a redeeming part of this story that is found in Judges 16, verses 23 through 30. And let's turn back to Judges. Back to Samson. There's one more connection point here that I want to make sure we're aware of. That the Spirit of God used Samson one more time. The Spirit of God used Samson one more time. There's a story here. The Philistines were celebrating. They wanted Samson to come out to entertain them. And in verse 26, Samson's brought out, and Samson says to the servant who is holding his hand, because obviously his eyes are gone, he can't see, he said, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded, it says, and the men and the, with men and women, all the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof, there were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. I don't know what he was doing, but he was performing. It says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. He called out to God one more time. He says, O God, please give me strength just one more time and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. He reached out toward the center of uh, pillars on which the temple stood. He braced himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left on the other. And Samson said out loud so the Philistines could hear, he said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Now it's interesting. God chose to grant him supernatural strength again. I see a couple things here. First, I see God's grace. That God is gracious no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've said, that God is willing to forgive. He's willing to come alongside us 
and he's willing to give us a second chance. I'm thankful for that. But you know, it came with a price. It came with a price for Samson. His eyes were, had been gouged out. And ultimately, in that last moment, it took his life. There was a price to be paid. I want you to know, no matter what you've done, God wants to use you again and again. Now, there are some people that will read that and say, well, God's grace is so big, it's so awesome, um, you know, that I, it will give me the freedom to do what I want. I can live like I want. I can live in the world and then I can come back to the spirit side and say, oh God, forgive me. And his grace is big enough. And I do believe that God's grace is big. And God's grace is big enough to forgive us from anything. But when you think about it, when you think about this, this is not a, a license to sin. Just the fact that God will use us again and again. He wants to use us again and again. I want you to know there is a price that we pay for the sin in our lives. Marriages damaged, loss of trust in relationships, lost jobs, missed opportunity. You know what the Bible says at one point? It says the Lord loves to discipline those he loves. And so we, when we do sin, when we choose to swing towards the world, there are consequences. Yes, God's grace is good when we swing back. But let me just challenge you with this thought as well. That when we consider God's grace, could it be that as we understand who God is and what God has done for us and His love, His great love for us, that it would cause us to want to love Him even more instead of to swing more toward the way of the world? I hope that's the case in my life. I hope that's the case in your life. When I consider Samson's story, I don't know about you, but I can relate. Can you relate to Samson's story? For some of us, it may be more in more subtle ways that we, there's pieces of it that we could identify with. For some other of us, it may be very obvious how we can relate to Samson's story and his inconsistencies. For some, it's easier to spot in others, saying, oh, I can see the inconsistencies in so-and-so's life, or, or boy, especially when you talk about living in a family, you know, brothers and sisters can point fingers, or, or uh, a husband knows his wife, or his wife knows the husband, and it's easy to point out in others. For some of us, there's no problem of identifying in ourselves. But the question I sat with and asked the Lord, said, God, what is the answer? Because I do not want to live my life like Samson, full of these inconsistencies, and then end up paying a huge price for the sin that was in my life. And I was brought to another story in my mind, the story of David. And we're going to look at David and Goliath next week, and we know that. But in that story... There is great humility on the part of David. When David messed up, he killed Uriah the Hittite. Uh, he you know, uh, steals Bathsheba. Uh, that, you know that part of the story. Instead of hardening his heart, David's heart was full of humility. And you can read about that in Psalm chapter 51. 
David had a soft heart. That when he did get exposed, when he did realize where he had been, he didn't harden his heart and say, well, God's grace is big enough, or, or I, you know, I'm going to be okay, or I'll do it on my own strength. David humbled himself. And as I thought about that, if we could rewind time for Samson, and if Samson could have humbled himself, I wonder if the end of the story could have been different. I don't know. But I think for us, wherever we are in our lives, no matter what kind of inconsistencies there have been, no matter what kind of things we've done or said or places we've been, things in our lives, no matter what we've done, if we approach the throne of God with humility and with a soft heart like David, I believe that God will use us again and again and again. And so the point this morning for me is not only is there forgiveness, there's forgiveness for you. There's forgiveness for each and every one of us this morning. And our sin, all of us, our sin is going to be different. The person you're sitting next to may not struggle in the same areas as you, but there's hope and there is forgiveness for each and every one of us. I want that message to ring loud and clear. I also want the message that we are called by God. There is a plan. There is a purpose for each and every one of us. And we need to know and we need to discern what God's will is. And then as we move forward, my heart is, the, the last point, is that we would have a soft heart towards God. And if you are here this morning and your heart has become hardened with life, if your heart has become uh, like a rocky stone because of circumstances or because of your choices or because of the choices of someone else, could you allow the Holy Spirit to soften your heart this morning? Because it's a soft and contrite spirit the Lord says that he can use and he wants to use you more than you know I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads this morning as we consider the story of Samson our imperfect hero that was used by God even though his life was full of inconsistencies could we take a look on the inside and say, God, are there areas in my life that are secretive? There are areas that I have allowed, small areas, almost as if my life was full of silos and there's one area that's the world's, one area that's God's. Are there those of us here that just live by the way we feel. And we choose worldly possessions or worldly things over God on a regular basis. And God is not a priority. If that's you this morning, 
I want to encourage you that God, he wants to restore that relationship with you. He wants to come down and to be number one in your life again. If that's you this morning and you're saying, I want to restore that relationship, I want to come back for God to be the first love in my life. And you're recognizing that maybe, at least in this season, he has not been. Would you be honest and just slip up your hand? You know, just uh, show a prayer. And we're going to pray together. Yeah, several hands. Who else would say, yeah, that's me. There are areas in my life that I've not put God first. Yeah, yeah, lots of hands. Oh, God, help us. Help us this morning, God, to learn from Samson's life. Oh, God, that's me. Lord, forgive us, God. Keep us humble, Lord. We understand that the world's pull can be very strong. And there's certainly two ways we can live. We can live God's way or we can swing the pendulum the other way to the world's side. But no matter where we are, if you are here this morning and you're saying, Pastor, I desire that my life would be marked by humility like David's life where I can learn from my mistakes, from my inconsistencies. And if that's your heart, that you would be marked by humility and that the fact that God wants to use you again, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you as well. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Oh, God, thank you. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Oh, God, I pray in these moments, Lord, that our hearts will be drawn to you. And Lord, in the areas you've revealed, areas that are inconsistent with your word, areas of our lives where we struggle, God, I pray that you would start to work in those areas of our lives. Lord, I thank you for your word that says there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And that's because of your grace and your mercy, God. And so we call upon your grace and your mercy, Lord, to work inside of us. And Lord, that's not a, a ticket to sin or to, a, a freedom to choose to, to live how we want. But Lord, it's, it's a call to a soft heart to be in your presence, to love you more, God, I pray that we would be marked with that very thing, that you would put your hand upon our lives, that you would use us in a powerful, powerful way. Lord, your word says that we were created in your hands to be used for your glory. Help us to recognize that we are your chosen people, 
Lord, that you have great plans, plans to prosper, to give us a hope, to give us a future. God, we honor you in these areas. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My heart is that you'll take this story this week and just sit with it, reread it, let God speak to you in a special way as well. Amen? Amen. God bless you. This morning, I've got some great news. As we conclude our service, we're going to receive an offering. And if you want prayer here in a moment, uh, we would love you to come to the altar and we will pray and ask God to touch you. But I have got some really awesome news. This past week, many of you know, we had the opportunity to serve together as a church at the Love Inc. Ministry Center in Grand Haven. And there were just under... 50 different volunteers throughout four days that came out and served and worked a total of 349 and a half hours worked at the Love Inc. Ministry Center. And what's interesting is as I reflect on that, yeah, yeah. You know, we give our missionaries that come from off the field, we give them a Royal Gateway welcome. We give them a standing ovation. We, we hoop and holler and whistle, and, and it's fun. It's part of who we are because we believe that missionaries are heroes and uh, forgiving of themselves. And I just want to say, you are home missionaries. The 50 of us that showed up and served and gave of themselves, you are missionaries. You are heroes. And we've got another opportunity this week to give some blood. A little later, we've got an opportunity to come out on a Friday morning and to, to give of our time to serve with the Gleaners truck, with the Feed America truck. And these things are in your bulletins, and I want to encourage you to, to, um, to, to look at these things. The other thing is that we've got an opportunity later this summer um, to, to minister to kids through Mega Sports Camp. And that's going to be awesome. And there, there's a flyer in here, and we want you to know about that. Not only for your kids that are in your families, but for the kids in your neighborhood, the kids around, around you. And we want to make sure you're aware of those things. We are missionaries. We are called with a purpose and a plan. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of our church for what God accomplished through our time. The other two quick things that I want to mention is that this week uh, we've got... Uh, a father-son camp-out trip, July 22nd, 23rd. The details are in here, but you need to sign up today. Uh, dads uh, and, and boys, um, really, all the way through. Uh, if you're interested in coming and being a part of that, you need to sign up today so we know how to plan properly for that. And then the last thing is, before we receive the offering, in fact, ushers, you can come. We have got an opportunity tonight to be together for some fellowship. 